You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. My name's Sean Kelly and this is the World Football Programme. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic ramblings. Good to see Jerry back on the deck. Um, joining me in the studio is the A-League stats man, <laughs> Pete Skeeler. How are you, Pete? Very well. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, excellent, mate. Um, got a good show lined up today. We're going to talk to Steve Burton, who's been doing a lot of media lately. Uh, Parker McKenzie from Soccer Scene, uh, Donna Gufray, DT38, and Tony Pinata from Perth Glory. So, star studied lineup there, really. It, it is. It yeah. Is. Um, big news in the football world. Obviously, no, nothing bigger than Ronaldo right now. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's a lot of big news. So, what's your definition? So, is it Ronaldo? Oh, that's one of them, yeah. Yeah. Yours? Oh, uh, probably more of a local perspective, but growing of the W League. Yes, yeah, three teams coming in very shortly, uh, within the next couple of years. Uh, Wellington Phoenix, Mariners and Western United. So that's good news for the W League. Yes, it's uh, fantastic news. And also uh, a new uh, title, a new trophy to be awarded uh, by the FFA to the top club, which is uh, combining the uh, A-League and the W League results to determine the winner there. Yeah, that's an interesting one. We're not all the teams have a ladies' team attached to them. Well, maybe it's an encouragement to, but... Uh, to, yeah, but how does Canberra then attach themselves to someone without well, a, a Canberra A-League team? Canberra can't, can't win it. But yeah. uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to work or how seriously clubs will take it because uh, I'm not even sure how they're going to award that trophy you know, a cup final, obviously, the trophy's I'm, I'm guessing they'll just give it to Sydney every year. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be my one anyway. All right. Um, so, also, Football Tasmania. I don't know if you saw this one. Oh, there was uh, something about that, yes. They've given every single registered junior a football. 
Oh, isn't that nice? I That's think it's fantastic. Great. Yeah. great thing, you know. So many kids don't actually have a ball. I think it's great that you give them a ball. Yeah. Um, and in the biggest news of all, um, the men versus fat, Coburn Blue, <laughs> made made their biggest signing. Yeah. Yeah, me. And who was he, yes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, biggest in news or anything else. I'm just big. Literally. <laughs> yeah, 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 speaking literally. Yeah. Um, but look, I, I am aching. My, my quads are killing me and it's great. <laughs> First game in 10 years, mate. Yeah, well, it's like you said, it's, it's an honest pain. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is honest pain. And, you know, it's a real good laugh. So that's, that's all it has to be. Um, and then what else have we got? Um, oh, we got a, a happy birthday to Sam Kerr, who turned 28 yesterday. Yes. And um, the womensgame.com sort of celebrated her 28th birthday by announcing uh, 27 Sam Kerr moments for her 27th birthday. Um, yep. And someone obviously pointed out to them that they got the number wrong, so they changed the title of the article but didn't actually change any of the text in and left it at 27 moments. So, I don't know, that's a bit dodgy, I thought. But. Yeah, absolutely. I oh, know, look, there's there's a lot going on. I saw another um, thing from Tony Booty, the sports minister, yep. um, about the money that has been pumped into the game, $32.5 million for the... Uh, the state football centre, ten million dollars available for the club nightlights project, a million dollars into Balcatta for their women's upgrades, yep. six hundred thousand into Fremantle City for their uh, upgrade for women's football, seven hundred thousand into Sorrento for the same. So I mean, it's big, okay. big money being flowed big around, money, yeah. and then twelve point five million into the uh, sport and recreation fund just for sports in general. So I think, you know. Good slice of the pie. I'd like to see some of the community clubs out there getting a bite of it. Yep. Um, but, you know, nice to see that there is some money going around. And maybe Fremantle getting that money, um, though I might be a little bit less unhappy about Perth Glory sneaking in and stealing their I don't their know. We'll talk to, we, we shall talk to Tony Pinata later about that one. Yep. But the Ken Allen Field basically is part of the um, Hamilton... It, it's all the same area. It's yeah, like it the is. same. You can walk uh, across the parklands there from one to the other. Absolutely. I don't see too much parking there, though, if Gloria planning to hold games there, and I don't Correct. know how it's going to work out for them, but they've got to be somewhere. Well, it's, it's Glory, the NPL side. I don't know how big the crowds they draw are. We're not talking the A-League side here or even the W-League side. No, but it's, it's still going to be um, – it's a it's – a, a, Grassroots club space area is actually yeah. the uh, touch rugby area at the moment. Yeah. And once touch rugby leave there, they're going to leave a small um, development, but there's nothing there. No. Enough room for a pitch. Enough room for a pitch. Training. Parking um, down the side. Mm, yeah, the the, yeah, but the parking's on the street. And I think, yeah. you know, with, just with the IP of the glory, you're going to get more than more people than you would do to a normal game, I think. Okay. Yeah, okay. from what I've seen at Forest Field and and Ashfield and Sorrento and everywhere else they've been, they do pull a bigger, they pull a, a crowd and above yeah. average NPL crowd. Let's say, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Um, we've had the um, international break in. Oh, geez, yes, we haven't even covered that. So you've been very happy with Poland and England. Two nights, yeah. Well, last minute, last minute goal to Shimanski. Oh, you just I love that. those. <laughs> hey? I, sometimes I love them. Sometimes I hate them. It depends who they're for. But that one I'll take. So <laughs> Poland are uh, still sitting second in their group there, and uh, England atop that one. Uh, sorry, third. Oh, geez, what am I looking at? Albania is above Poland. Well, that's something I never thought I'd really say. Uh, something I always said. <laughs> <laughs> No, look, I think it's good. Um, been a good comp, and there've been some some good results over the the uh, 
the last couple of, well, the last week or so. Yeah, so, you know, my other non-Australia team, I'm happy to see Germany have regained their rightful place at the top of Group J <laughs> after that shock home loss to North Macedonia, which is, again, a phrase the, I no, never no, thought the, I'd the say. The mighty North Macedonia. The don't. mighty, yeah. yeah. In quotes, air quotes. <laughs> no, and I think there's it's been some interesting results all round. Um, yeah, I think England sitting pretty at the top is... is a surprise because I think there's some good teams in there. Oh, yeah, sort of trying to take my Poland bias out. England is the team I would pick to to win. They that should group. do, but yeah. they have a, a good habit of throwing things away. <laughs> nice to see Declan Rice playing well as well. Yeah. Uh, former, or still Hammers player, but yeah, be interesting to see how he pans out. But yeah. he's a he's a good lad all round. Um, and the Australians beat Vietnam one nil. We did on a horrible pitch, but. It's one of those games where I'll take that result. Um, and, uh, oh, now I've forgotten his name. Our goal scorer, who I hate for Sydney FC, but I love it when he's in the soccer. The mullet. Issue. The mullet. That's not there anymore. <laughs> that's, why I'm, that's why it's throwing me off. I'm yeah, to Grant. Him. That's it. Grant. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Grant. Um, so, yeah, happy to hit, see him score that goal. And, yeah, it was a scrappy game. It wasn't a great advertisement, but, you know, again, I'll take it. We need to, those are the sort of games we need to grind out a result. And we're sitting top of the group, equal with Saudi Arabia. Yep. Uh, Japan obviously stumbled with that uh, home loss to Oman, which may help us in the end. Mm. Um, top three in the uh, sorry, top two go through automatically to the World Cup, and then third place goes to a playoff. Uh, so currently, it's Australia, Saudi Arabia, top two, and actually Oman sitting in third, just ahead of Japan. Mm. Now that's going to be an interesting one because we could also stumble against one oh, of those. So we could, and and history <laughs> says we do. Although, like they say, we're um, with Graham Arnold now. We're Ten wins in a row, which is a, a record. Yeah, but with ten win, wins in a row, there comes a loss at some point. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, look, it's good to see where they are. I'm seeing some stuff around about them being probably the the least star studied Australian side we put out in a long time. So yeah, um, and that may work in our favour because they're not really known and they're not um, being plotted against because we've been underestimated so hopefully that's the way it goes which is good and uh, yep. so that resumes again next month um, Australia is hosting Oman apparently that game currently is going to be in Australia so we're not having the home game in Qatar it's uh, penciled in for Western Sydney of all places Western Sydney Stadium so mm. I guess we'll put an asterisk beside the comment that that's where it's going to be played because I could see that getting shifted again <laughs> yeah I'm sure it will. All right, we go to a break and we'll be back after this. We, these breaks or these ads with Steve Burton, who's been copying a lot of media lately, but good bloke all around. So we'll talk to him very shortly. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The OzWest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colourbond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au.
Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. All right, Pete, we've got some NPL games out there. It's into the, the finals time now. It is indeed. So uh, NPL finals, we've got the minor semi-final today, which will be uh, Sorrento against Perth Glory. The uh, losing team there is eliminated from the finals. And the major semi-final is Perth against Florida Athena. The winner of that Ooh. game will go straight to the grand final and the loser will play the winner of the minor semi-final next week. Mm. Probably next week. So. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. Some good games out there. Um, all right, joining us now is our first guest for the day. If there was an award out there for top bloke, best mate mm. uh, award, he'd probably be in the running for it. So welcome this morning, Steve Burton. How you doing, guys? Thank you for having me. Good. No, no, thank you, Steve. I know you've been extremely busy with mm. um, one thing or another and media commitments. Um, first off, before we go any further, how are you holding up? Uh, yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, you know, it's been a bit overwhelming with all the media stuff, as you say, but I've got a good group of friends and my family around me, so I'm doing all right. It's the least you can do as a friend who's sort of in strife, as Danny is, and his, his parents are, so the yeah. least you can do as a friend, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely, but I think it also has an enormous impact on you. So, you know, given it was Are You OK Day Thursday, I'm extending out for the rest of the year and reaching out and just making sure that, you know, you are OK. And you've, you said, as you said, you've got a, a good family and, and a good group of mates around you that are making sure that you're OK. And that's very important because when you have these things, we, we absorb a lot of um, the pain around us and, you know, it makes things very, very difficult for us. But I'm, I'm glad to see that you're still there. That's right. I've, I've, um, I've actually, I'd like to do another shout out to the uh, whole of WA football, to be honest, because the amount of messages I've received on the back of Are You OK Day, as well as the sort of well wishes to Danny and his family, has been sort of amazing. So, yeah. testament to this uh, community in Perth and um, just a great bunch of people, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you knew when you put up the GoFundMe page that the local soccer scene would get around Danny and yourself and, you know, just look after one of their own. Um, how blown away are you by the the extent that that was? And then we talk about going into the, the rest of the world and then some of the, the people that have been donating money. I mean, Alan Shearer's even put his hand in his pocket and, and dipped in. It's just fantastic to see the, the world community get around one of their own that's right you know we'd um we had discussions with his family and they added me to their family group chat and uh, they were driving a bit of a media thing back in the uk to try and get awareness for his parents to get the flights over here and then um they wanted to set up a gofundme and we'd already discussed it this end and they were happy for me to go ahead and, and sort of get the ball rolling uh, obviously with the time differences for them it was difficult so um when I did set it up through a few of our, our mates that we discussed, we were like, you know, it's going to be a long-term recovery. You don't know what what goal to set. And I was a little bit conflicted myself, thinking and my focus had shifted from Danny to actually thinking about raising money. But I think when you feel helpless, you do what you can. And um, it's been an amazing response to the GoFundMe. It's, it's going to be a long-term recovery. It's going to be, he's going to need financial support. And, you know, I've, I've just got the mindset now that he's going to need as much as possible. So everyone's... You're right. You there yeah. still, Steve? Okay. It seems to have dropped out. I'll get back to Steve very shortly. Okay. As as mentioned, there is a GoFundMe page uh, for Denny Hodgson's Road to Recovery. Uh, they've got a $20,000 goal. Currently, they're at 7400 
240, we'll uh, share the link for that on our Facebook group. In the meantime, we'll just run through the results from the NPL last week, which was the final round of the regular season. Bolshorn's getting uh, uh, getting our guest back on. Uh, Gwilup Croatia and Armadale played out a one-all draw. Coburn City had a 2-0 win over ECU Joondalup. Perth and Balcatta finished nil-all. Uh, Sorrento 4-0 away win over Bayswater City. Perth Glory 5-1 over Inglewood United. And... Uh, 5-1 win to Floriot Athena over Rockingham City, and we're back. back, Yes, Yes, we're back. We've got um, Steve on the phone. So, Steve, you're saying about the the long-term recovery. Um, At the moment, things are looking a little bit up. We're talking about um, hopefully bringing uh, Danny out of the the induced coma. That's correct, yeah. So, currently, um, I was chatting to his mum this morning, and the updates are that uh, he's stable. Um, the, that's the only positive you can cling on to at the moment. Yeah. Um, he's he, they are reducing sedation, which will then allow him to slowly come out of the induced coma. We're hoping that he can do that on his own. So days, weeks, it could take. So it's purely based on how Danny's re- reacting to the swelling and uh, and to the sort of reduced uh, sedation. Yeah. Um, it's going to yeah, as I say, it's going to be a long term, and that's 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 just the start of his journey. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think long term effects, you know, when you, when you're looking at it, and you know, we've, we've got to be positive about Danny's recovery. Is that you know, even in the in the first few weeks, um, he may not be able to to walk around, and you know, getting back to things like work, um, exactly. maybe a long, long way off. And he's got a mortgage, he's got commitments, he's got a dog to walk, um, which exactly. I know, which I know that you're doing for him. <laughs> so. I am yeah, so I suppose the thing is again, when we're you know the football family wraps around people and looks after them, and and things like you walking his dog are the, are the very small practical things that we forget about that you know the money can't buy stuff. So obviously there needs to be a way of reaching out for people who probably can't help financially, but can come round and clean the windows or mow the lawn or you know just those those little practical things that need doing. So. Um, you know, obviously you're the conduit for most of this, but if people have a way of helping, just, you know, if someone can help with the ironing even, you know, it's just those little things that we forget about that, that may help. You know, you know especially um, like myself, who has um, not much family over here, yeah. you, you make you make the big leap to come and try and start a, a life in a, the other side of the world that you come on your own. He sort of forged a career and, and got a, a brilliant thing going with football. He's got a lovely girlfriend. He's just bought a house. You know, he's, he's on the right path. Mm. This is just a massive hurdle. When you're back in the UK or if you guys have got family here, everyone gets around. So I think that's what sort of uh, the football community has done. Yes. And that's what that I feel like. You know, when you are in strife, you do you do miss home a little bit, those little home comforts. And I think that's why pushing to get his parents here so fast is yeah. huge, you know, so... When he Absolutely. wakes up, his, his parents will be here and it's going to be a, an amazing thing for him as part of his recovery especially. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, there's, there's other little things that can help. You know, obviously once he gets home um, and obviously, I, oh, I don't know obviously, but I imagine his girlfriend works full time. Um, yep. If there's people who are able just to sit at home and take the piss, um, that's all he really needs. You know, he just needs exactly. some, somebody around him to sit and have a laugh. 
um, you know, to change the YouTube channels for him so he can watch Ronaldo playing for United. Um, you know, and, and I think that's the stuff that, you know, as much as the GoFundMe page is practical and helps pay the bills, there, there's that other really practical um, help that people forget about. And you can't just pay someone to go and sit with him. It'd be no. nice if, if, you know, some of his mates from football dropped in and on their days off or, you know, took an hour off to or organised to bring him lunch or something, you know? That's right. Um, no, and he's, he's well loved in the community. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the Sorrento boys sent a photo through to his mum this morning. Uh, they're actually going to wear a DH7 um, shirt today on the warm up and out on the pitch, which is an amazing gesture. Also keeps the sort of mindset still on Danny, which is amazing. Yeah, and that's the sort of small things too, which still keep raising awareness about his situation. And you know, like they've done that on their own back, just just because they see. This amazing kid who's been through hell, who doesn't deserve it, and they rally around again. You know, it's these little gestures like this, and as, as you say, this is going to be years recovery. So it's yeah. not just a case of we, we're battling now. It's going to be battle, battling around him for well, however long it takes for him to get back to himself. Yeah, if that's possible without a doubt. And I think you know. Um, just the, the little things like walking, feeding yourself. I mean, we don't know how he's going to be when he comes out, but most people with an injury like that, it takes a long time mm. to get back to your natural function. So, you know, right. he will need people to be around him um, to, to force him to come out for a walk when he's able to, um, just to socialise him whenever possible. Um, you know, just because he can't play the indoor uh, five-a-side games doesn't mean he can't be taken down there and watch it. Mm. Um good. So I think that's where the you know the, the practical help is is just as important as the financial help. Um, now we go on to something else. Now obviously it was um, the ECU boys on a night out after finishing their season. Um, today there'll be a lot of clubs in the first division, second division, and the playoffs that are, are finishing their wind ups or their their games, and they're all going to go out tonight on the lash and and enjoy themselves. Yeah. Very very important that we look after each other. That's right. You know, these these are situations that are, are recurring. Um, yeah. When you have had a, a few beers when you're celebrating, two o'clock in the morning is not really a time where you're actually thinking uh, sort of straight after time. And if if there's guys having to leave, we just got to look out for each other. Absolutely. Um, now, I suppose... Think about it. Look, it's important to, to about Danny. Danny wasn't someone that was a, an aggravating character. He liked a bit of banter with his mates, but he That's didn't. Right. But he didn't wind other people up. And no. you don't need to be aware that your very presence is winding somebody up without you knowing. And then, you know, if you're left walking on your own, particularly to somewhere like the train station, um, it leaves you very, very vulnerable if you've had a pint or two. I imagine these cowards would not jump you if you're in a a group of two or three. Mm. No, I believe so too. So just look out for each other. As you say, it's been an are you okay day. Also, look out for your mates too, you know. um, All your teammates, your, your close friends. If you are going and doing... I mean, we're very lucky in WA that we're able to go out Yep. Go to the pubs and clubs and grand final and all all, all the footy finals around this time of year. It's a great time of year. Everyone's good spirits and um, you just got to have that in the back of your mind that you got to look out for your mates as well. Absolutely. Don't don't leave someone stranded. If you get in an Uber home, pop them in the Uber, get them to, to the railway station and drop them off. Don't let them walk there on their own. And, you know, there's the, 
again, just small things that we do about looking after each other. We look after each other on the pitch and then all of a sudden, two o'clock on a Saturday night, we don't. And, you know, I'm not blaming anyone for the situation. It's just um, somebody who's a, a coward out there who's just run up and hit someone in the back of the head for no absolute reason. Um, and you can't help those people. But, you know, we, we can help each other avoid those situations. That's right. You can. Yeah. All right, now some some other things with with the media uh, side of things. I know you've done an awful lot. You you've presented yourself extremely well. Oh, uh, I just it's just honest, you know. Yeah, it comes yeah, it comes across about Danny and um, you just have to be honest. And there's no lies when it comes to Danny. He's a he's a colourful character. He lights up a room. He he's a little. <laughs> so-and-so now and again but, mm-hmm. um, you know like, they're the things that make him him which is amazing so you wouldn't change him no. um, he isn't perfect no, no one is but he's, he's just a great lad who, who didn't deserve this so no. that sort of stuff on the media is easy to be honest you talk about him and um, upset, but you want to you want to generate that sort of it's not that Knowledge. simple. You, you've represented yeah. yourself in the game very, very well. Uh, and by the way, you, you do rock a flat cap as well. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So it's, you know, but the the media coverage for the game has been really, really positive. And I think you know, when you, you look at this, it's a, yeah, it's a horrible, horrible situation to be in. But the amount of media attention our game has got, and the way that the game has wrapped around Danny, has really come across through this. Um, I didn't know you were a West Ham fan. I did see that in the background as well. So very <laughs> happy to see that, mate. I'm not, I'm not a West Ham fan. <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, I can tell yeah, that. One of my uh, other friends, Darren, he's a big West Ham fan, and. He was over the moon when they yeah. set the cameras up and that was in the background. I'm liking him already. <laughs> but, but, you know, look, and, and the thing is that your professionalism on, on air and, and the care that you had for Danny really came across and I think that was, was really important in, in the, the media selling the story and you know, the, the capturing of it across the world. And then, you know, we found out other little things about Danny along the way, like um, his childhood friendship with Dean Henderson, which we had no yeah. idea about. Yeah. But, yeah, they, they played a few... They play a bit of online game together. That's how they sort of connect as well. He's got a few mates over East who, who they sort of all connect with. So he, he only sort of, over the last couple of years, reconnected with him. Yeah. Um, well, they used to sort of car share with parents to the junior games at Carlisle, I think, or wherever his junior teams were. So, yeah, he reached out, or his parents reached out, and then Dean got in touch with um, Danny's mum, and um, they had a brilliant conversation, and um, obviously he donated money too, and he's, he's tried to make waves um, on the in UK, yeah, try and get some positive messages to Danny for when he wakes up and things like that. So. It's, it's an amazing thing, what's happening, how far it can reach. Absolutely. Uh, and it's the football community as a whole, you know. Like, if if one of us are in strife, you all band together. And it's a real testament to everyone, really. I mean, just to get his parents here within four days is, is just moving mountains. Now, you know? I, I know you, you have no idea how that happened, but there's obviously there's people in the background moving things along very quickly. Um, you know, airlines and other people. God knows who did that, but whoever you are, thank you. You're a champion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I believe that um, there's a lot of work afoot, and I think um, the Premier McGowan is is putting pressure on 
the powers that be to to make uh, whatever it needs to to make it happen, but just yeah. make it make it happen that That's his it. his parents can come and see him. So I think you know, with all the other stuff we've got going around through COVID, it's really good to see that other people are, are now getting the importance of this and and where yeah. where Danny is and how important it is for his mum and dad. Yeah, I mean, his mum and dad are. Initially, when they landed yesterday, they were sort of angry that w- they weren't allowed to get to the hospital. But as you can imagine, those emotions, a long flight, it was, it was very... Imagine what, the build-up of that, and then knowing when you're actually in there and, and you can't actually see him. So yeah. her initial response was sort of frustration and anger. She she said she's one to sort of she's mum. say that yeah. and then rest and then think about it and then calm down and yeah. say, why, why was I like that? She said that to me this morning. So she's happy... So obviously follow the rules and regulations as it is. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but there, there are there are mitigations. The, <clears throat> there are mitigations they can put in place, and I think you know the the common sense hopefully will prevail. But given where Danny is right now, the last thing you would want is for him to get COVID on top of what he's already going through. So exactly. I can understand the. The, the the tension and and being a mum you know there's there's nothing more primal than a mother wanting to protect her child so exactly I, right. I get exactly. where she is how, how are they both holding up at the moment really positive this morning actually as I say they were they were going through all the emotions yesterday and then this morning uh, she sent me a voice note just saying that she she had a good thing and herself and Peter have sort of come come to the realization uh, makes it worse that she can actually see the hospital from her bedroom window. Um, she can sort of, she can almost touch him. Yeah. Um, but you know, as you say, like COVID is no joke. You don't want to bring undue pressure onto Danny too. So they are able to uh, start testing regularly to make yep. sure they can get the negative test, which is going to stand them in good stead over uh, the next few days. So as long as they're doing the protocols that are, and hopefully the powers that be, and hopefully a bit of media attention too might put a little bit of pressure saying. They are they are doubly vaccinated. There's a good advert, you know. Yeah. Um, Perth are behind a little bit with regards to vaccinating. Yeah. Uh, this might push that with regards to international travel, opening the country, things. And there's a, there's a bigger picture, but I know this could be uh, a story around that too. So fully vaccinated, uh, negative tested, travelled internationally, and then hopefully there's some sort of common sense that prevails where they're able to go and see him. Because hearing their voices, I would imagine it's going to be a massive... Uh, aid for his recovery and, and not only that for for a mum to be able to go in there even in his current condition and just hold his hand would be a great comfort to her and and to him so i think yeah. you know we, we've got to look at the human element of this as well that's right you know as you say earlier like there's no bigger bond than a mother and the, the kids you know so um she's going through it nicola and uh peter so you can only hope over the next couple of days danny stays stable and uh, they are granted some form of uh, exemption to go and see him. Absolutely. Look, Steve, I really appreciate what you, you've done for the family and, and, and what you've done for the game because we hear so many negatives about the game and, and it's really nice to hear a positive, um, even though it is through tragedy. It just shows how we do wrap around each other when, when we're needed. But, you know, it took, it took someone to, to do it, and that was you. Um, you've been a great spokesman for the game, and, and you are, as I know, a top bloke anyway. But, um, you know, this is really coming through, um, and I hope that yeah, you, you can get the, the community around Danny in the, in the future because the, 
It's going to be the next three, six months that are pivotal, and it really is not just the money. The money just helps pay bills, but that other stuff where someone just spends some time with him because I imagine if he if he's not as mobile, and he probably won't be for a while, as mobile as he used to be, he's going to get a little bit down and he's going to need some mates around him. And there's other practical things, as I said before, mowing the lawn, washing windows, ironing and other stuff they're going to need help with. So if anybody needs or can offer that sort of help, um, they need to get in touch with you. And um, look, I know you will look after Danny, so thank you very much for what you're doing. No problem. And if, if people do want to uh, donate any money, then the GoFundMe page is um, still active and it's on my Facebook and it's around the internet, I'm sure. It's everywhere. It's on our webpage now and, yeah. and several others that I've seen. It's very hard to avoid. If you yeah. haven't made a donation already, please do. Every little bit helps, um, you know, and just, just we need to be backing Danny on this one. That's right. I appreciate it, guys. No, thank you very much for your time, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. All right, Steve Burton, probably the best best mate anyone could have. Exactly, and and as you said, we've we've got that on our Facebook group. So if if you're there, you'll you'll see the link to donate. Absolutely, some money. but look, it it is not going to be an easy recovery. It's going to be a long road, and I think you know, um, just coming out of the coma is going to be a massive thing. Yeah, um, and then everything else after that is just a bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty. Um, Back into local football, we've got the State League um, playing their final round today. We do indeed, and so shortly I'll give you the uh, details of that. Oh, I thought you'd be ready, mate. I thought <laughs> oh, you, we're, I thought you we're were ready. Best. We're ready. I so, thought uh, you, you'd take week. the mantle from Don Evans as being the best wingman ever. <laughs> oh, no. Now, now, no pressure at all. Okay, last week, uh, Forestfield United had a 3-0 away win over Western Knights. Ashfield went down 2-3 at home against Quinns. Fremantle City and Kingsway Olympic played out a two-all draw. Joondalup United and Sterling Macedonia one-all draw. Uh, Mandurah City 5-2 over Subiaco AFC. And Swan United UWA Nedlands played out a three-all draw. Coming up this afternoon, it's Kingsway Olympic hosting Ashfield. Forestfield United at home against Joondalup United. Uh, Subiaco AFC against Fremantle City. Western Knights away to Quinns FC. UWA Netherlands at home against Mandurah City and Sterling Macedonia hosting Swan United. So on the table there, obviously Sterling Macedonia have won the league by, well, they're 12 points clear at the moment. Uh, Western Knights, Joondalup United and Quinns FC all three points apart. Uh, and then there's a bit of a space to get down to Fremantle City in fifth place. And at the bottom end of the table, unfortunately, Ashfield, well, I guess a win today could get them off the very bottom. Uh, when you're relying on mathematics, it's not a good thing. Yeah, no, but uh, <laughs> um, they're on 13 points. We'd Swan. need a big win against Kingsway, and we would need Swan to lose yes. as well. So, you know, there's there's a lot going on there. But, look, it's, it's been a tough season. And I think last week against Quinns, boys played extremely well. We're very unfortunate not to have come away with that with something. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, just a bit of poor thinking <laughs> and a, a penalty given away, and that was the difference between the draw and the win. So. Yeah. And so um, just, just to refresh... My memory and everyone else's. Yeah. Uh, bottom bottom place is an automatic relegation, and then eleventh place is a playoff. Will play off against the second, third, fourth from the lower division. Yes, correct. Yeah. So the the uh, two, three, and four from Divi two um, will be in the playoff with the the eleventh from the yeah. league. Yeah. Which which at this point in time looks like being Swan United. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, no, look, it's, it's been been a really, really tough year. Um, and it's, it's funny because people are making lots of commentary and I, th- I think it's great that people outside the club um, feel that they can make a comment about the club <laughs> not knowing what it is and then people who've walked away from the club feel even more entitled to have a crack at the club. <laughs> and, and if they were that involved in it, why weren't they there um, when, when, we, when we needed them? But that's good i think it's, it's, it's good tell us what you really think there i will do yeah. no no i just think it's great that self-opinionated people feel the need <laughs> to put something up on on the web with absolutely no knowledge of what's gone on or how it goes on or anything um but yeah it, at the start of the season yeah everybody in the, in the league knew that one team was getting relegated and one team was going to be in the playoffs yeah and everybody hoped it wasn't them but in reality, two sides, it was, it was always going to be two teams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And unfortunately, the way it works out, it's us and Swan. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it is. That's football for you. <laughs> um, all right, so we're um, going to talk to Parker McKenzie very shortly. Um, Parker is a journalist with Soccer Scene. Um, I think we put a link up there on the website previously for them. But they really look at the... The other side of the game, they're not focusing on teams and players and, and yep. results. They're looking at the um, industry news. The side industry of news, yeah, and it's, it's actually a very good website if you if you're interested in that side of the game. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there about the national second division. Um, Parker himself's written a very good article about the um, impact of COVID and what that's going to be on the W League and the A League. Um, with you know. Sydney and or Melbourne and New South Wales both still in the grips of COVID. Yeah. Um, He's also like written an article about FIFA's idiotic decision. To we're going to talk to him first. about that very shortly. It's yeah. um, it's a very good article, and as I said, there's a lot of good writers on there. Um, if you are interested in that side of the game, get onto their website and have a look. Um, there's a, a lot of good information about our game on there. So we'll be back after these ads uh, with Parker. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au. I'm Miranda Templeman, goalkeeper for the Junior Matildas. Join me and local women's football expert Penny Tanahoe as we share our news and journey through the football calendar with the best guests from your local community and all across Australia. You're listening to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle.
the top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Okay, we're back in the room, and uh, joining us now is Parker McKenzie, who is a writer with SoccerScene.com.au. If you haven't got into it already, please do. It's very, very good. Good morning, Parker. How are you? Uh, Sean, thank you for having me back on the show. We're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Great pleasure to have you back on, mate. Um, Now, we did say we were going to have a look at the COVID situation and how that's affected the the W and A League, but um, obviously football in in Melbourne has has shut down now, so let's just say that COVID's going to mess everything up and move on. Um, Another article I read from you was about FIFA's decision to play the World Cup every two years. Definitely, uh, it's not definite at the moment that that will be the case. Is but there's definitely a push from FIFA to make that the reality, yeah. and how that will affect everything from um, conference championships like the Asian Cup, yep. the Euros, to even how it'll compete with the Olympics, because then there will be that crossover between the two. Is such an interesting question. Yeah, absolutely. And what's the what's the driver behind it? I think I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> FIFA's perspective, all commercial value. Yeah. Uh, that has to be said. Because the World Cup is the most watched competition in the world. It is such a large money maker for FIFA. And if they, if they double the amount of competitions they have, it'll only increase. But we're already seeing that push by FIFA to, in, to expand the competition. Um, the 2022 World Cup will feature 48 teams instead of 32. And it has to be said that a lot of the drive to make this a reality is from teams who haven't featured at the World Cup before. Yeah. But the, I thought the whole point of the World Cup was that it wasn't easy to get into and that when you got there, that was the achievement. And if we make it um, easier to get into, then we haven't we devalued the competition? I think that's the case. Um, I think... There's always a few weaker sides at the World Cup already. Yeah. Yep. You know, we've seen, we've seen Saudi Arabia lose 8-0 in the past, and when you start adding more teams, potentially worse countries, those teams outside that top 32, that's only going to, it's not going, you're not going to have as many elite level games. And FIFA have flagged they want more high profile games and less qualifiers, but yeah. by changing the World Cup format, it's only going to create less high profile games. But what it will do is is provide in, instead of the the forty eight, um, well, sorry, instead of the normal amount of games, you get sixty four games compared to forty. So I mean, that's when you're looking at TV rights and TV audiences, um, that's where the draw is. So it's a it's a commercial decision rather than it is a competition decision. And and like you said, it's an elite level competition. And it needs to be special, and I think going going every two years just reduces that that ability to to be special. Yeah, I think there's problems going forward with the new format for the World Cup that they're introducing next year. Yep, is these three three country groups. Yep, uh, I think as a country, you go to the World Cup and you you draw say Germany, Italy, Brazil, Argentina. And only one team out of these three groups, uh, three team groups, is going through. You'll, you'll potentially play two games, then go home. Um, P- Parker, just to hold you up on uh, a couple of things there, I don't believe they're bringing that in for the twenty twenty two World Cup. That's still staying at thirty two. 
teams. Yep. But the 2026 World Cup, they're talking about it. They're also talking with the groups of three, actually two teams going through from each group. So it's not so much one team goes through, it's more a case of one team gets eliminated out of the three. That'll be, that'll be a very interesting concept then with how it will actually function because then they'll have to expand the round 32 yep. to more teams. Yep. I think the idea behind it was they can add more teams, but for an in, any individual side to make the final, I think they've added it adds only one more game. So they didn't want to... They wanted to obviously increase the number of games overall without putting too much load on single teams, you know, having to win 10 games at the tournament type thing to get to the final or anything yeah. like that. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I, I like the 32-team so, arrangement. Yeah. but I, th- I think it's such a well-established format yeah. for the competition. Yeah. And I think it would be crazy to change it. Yeah. It also opens up the potential for collusion between two teams if they're sort of like, no, they can get through and, you know, a draw will get them through and... The disgrace yeah. of Dijon from uh, the 82 <laughs> World Cup. Yeah. We have definitely seen that in the past. Yeah. So uh, I suppose the the, the games and, and the amount of games and then all of the, the formats is, is one part of it. The other part is uh, in, in behind the games... Um, if you look at South Africa, Russia, uh, and myriads of others, not every country has the facilities to run a World Cup. And they've built stadiums that are now white elephants and they've invested a lot of money. Um, they've killed a lot of migrants and other workers in, in the construction of things in a hurry in the heat in Qatar. Yep. Um, so the effect of that of the nation that's got two less years to prepare for a World Cup and the pressure that will be on them to bring stadiums up to the spec required and more of them if there's going out to 48 teams, um, just the, the sheer logistics of that then reduces the amount of countries that could run a competition of that magnitude um, down quite a bit. Well, opposite effect where if you're having a World Cup every two years, there'll be a lot more countries that previously may not have been in the running to host a World Cup all of a sudden needing to basically host it. So countries like South Africa, you know, who they had to build 10 stadiums yeah. Yeah. For, for the World Cup. Uh, if, you, if you take the World Cup to countries like that, that will always be the case. And w- the, the real question is what happens to these stadiums once the competition's finished? Mm. Uh, we've seen... For instance, um, there's, there's one South African city. There's only 130,000 people, and they have a 50,000-seater stadium there <laughs> that nobody uses. There's yeah. no football team that needs a stadium of that size. And these stadiums cost millions of dollars yeah. to yeah. maintain each year. And and beyond stadiums, it's, it's infrastructure. Yeah. It's hotels for fans, for teams, and it's training facilities as well. And yeah. you would hope that when you introduce this infrastructure, the competitions rise up to the point where they will need them. But unfortunately, that isn't the case. Yeah, and I think the um, Winter Olympics in Russia, they built a tunnel um, at a huge cost, which is now costing the local people $1.5 billion a year to maintain <laughs> for something that doesn't get any use. So, again, it's um, th- those infrastructures, whilst they're great for the competition, um, it's a lot of money that's not been spent. And when you look at somewhere like South Africa, the money that was spent on that stadium would be far better off being spent on social welfare. Yeah. South Africa, where at the time of the World Cup, 
people were living on an average, like half the population was living on an average of $250 a month. Mm. And then they've spent $2.7 billion to build stadiums. And you have to wonder, where's that money firstly come from? And, and I know that South Africa did have a huge deficit uh, because of the World Cup in their budgets and everything. And I think where could that money have gone to improve the lives of the citizens? And while I love the World Cup, I love football, was it worth it for South Africa to, to host that competition? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a question that needs to be asked. Yeah, definitely. And I think then, again, when we go back through the, the competitions that are played in and around the the um, the World Cup, the Euros, the Copa America, it affects so many of those other competitions, the Asian Cup. Yeah. Um, so what happens to those competitions in a year where, where they cross over? Um, you know, it, it'd be a horrendous schedule for a, a national team to, to have to play in those two comps. Been one of the arguments from Arsene Wenger, who's actually come out in support of this format. He works for FIFA now as their head of um, head of development. Yeah. And what his argument was: we'll reduce travel to two international windows during the season, uh, and so there's less games against between you know England and Andorra, for instance, and more games at the World Cup. I, I, I disagree with that. I think for, for these smaller nations especially the ones who, even with 48 teams, aren't going to make the World Cup. Mm. Those games are massive for them. Yeah. yeah. They are, they are the highlights of their football calendar, and to, to try to take that away from a lot of these countries, I, I think would be a huge mistake. No, I, I definitely agree with you, and I think, you know, with the smaller groups, when you, you look at the scenario that Pete came up with, with Germany, Brazil, um, and Italy all in the same group, you know, you, you're going to potentially rule out some of the, the better seeded teams um, for the sake of teams that aren't as, as well mm. graded and, and the, the, the competition gets diluted. I don't know, other than the money, I cannot see really any other reason why they would be interested in, in doing it. it. It wouldn't surprise me if, I mean, this still comes down to money, but specifically China um, have failed to get to the World Cup and that's, I think I think FIFA's got their eye on them in particular. Uh, to get them through to the World Cup. And, and Scotland, probably. <laughs> I don't know about Scotland. <laughs> I suspect there's more money in China. And even, yeah. even to be honest, India as an uh, emerging nation and an emerging economy, uh, a massive uh, nation and economy, you know, technically they actually did qualify for the World Cup once and then refused to go. Either they couldn't afford it or FIFA wouldn't let them play barefoot, depending on whose version of the story you, you believe. <laughs> but uh, So it wouldn't surprise me if there's a couple of countries that FIFA's got their eye on um, saying we, we'd really like them to get to the World Cup and if we have to expand it to help that happen, um, that would be the case. There's 166 mm. countries yep. that are supporting this uh, like fact-finding mission yep. that was bought by Saudi Arabia into whether the World Cup should be expanded to every two years. Yeah, most of, The vast majority of them haven't made the World Cup. Yep. And there's a reason for their support there is because they, they want to make the World Cup. And the easiest way to do that is not to improve themselves as a footballing nation. It's to create more spots at the World Cup. Mm. And we've seen this week, basically, UEFA's come out against it. Uh, the South American competitions come out against it. The European leagues who represent you know, the Premier League, the Bundesliga, La Liga, League One. Yep. 
most of the stakeholders in the game do not want this. Yep. That is that is clear. The vast majority of the players, from what I've seen, don't support this. So it has to be asked why, and it's very likely FIFA will push ahead with this. Hmm. Oh yeah, no. They, obviously, it's it's a direction they they want to go. But if you're not if you're not conversing with the players, and, and ultimately they're the ones who are going to be the most affected by this. Yeah. Um, and or I suppose again, money talks. But um, how much of that will then trickle down to the players is another important thing. And then when you've got these people that are on mega millions of wages, are they going to be interested in representing their country um, over and above their own? physical um safety well that that's it because normally the you know the world cup takes place arguably during the players summer holidays shall yeah. we say and obviously the europe oh so the not necessarily european but the continental championships as well so over a four-year period a, a top level player sort of has two summer holidays and then one where they're playing at the continental championship and one when they're playing at the world cup yeah if you're going to take another one away for a world cup i, I could see people Honestly, losing interest. Yeah, burning out. Players, yeah. Yeah, yeah be a lot like And we've already seen that FIFA isn't worried about the effect of their changes to the European leagues and other leagues around the world because we're going to have a break in the middle of next season for the World Cup. Yeah. And that is something that the clubs don't want, the leagues don't want, but it's going to happen. And you have to remember, Qatar's original bid was not for that time period. Mm. Yes. That was you know, they, they said they were going to air-condition all the stadiums so it could be played during their summer. Yep. yep. And to anyone who was paying attention, that just seemed fanciful at the time. Yeah. Completely fanciful. You know, they are going to create... As a part of their bid, they said they are going to create artificial clouds to change the <laughs> climate. Yeah. And so... And now we're playing during their winter, in yeah. the middle of the season. Yes, the whole air-conditioning thing was... Pretty much as soon as it was awarded to Qatar, that was just forgotten about. <laughs> Not by me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, look. It, I think it's a it's a flawed idea. It'd be interesting to see. I think, as you said, Infantino will will push this and drive this, um, and and maybe it'll be forced upon us, and it has to fail before it goes any further. Yeah. And there's also opposition. I saw this week from the Olympic Committee. Yep. Yep. Because they're. they're they're worried how it's going to affect their their competitions. If the World Cup's competing with the Winter Olympics or the Olympics, then it's just going to be a nightmare. And it could it could affect the World Cup's viewership. I don't think it will. It's more likely to impact those other competitions. Yes, definitely. I don't know how many footballers will ski as well, but, you know, <laughs> um, at an elite level. But, um, yeah, the, the TV audience is, is where they're, they're going to be fighting that one out. So it'll be interesting to, to see how that does pan out in the future. I see football being dropped from the Olympics if this change is made. Yep. Because many of those players who perform, who play at, in the under-23s World Cup at the Olympics, they do play for their full international side. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so if they're in the same year, if you've got an Olympics and a World Cup in the same year, yeah. those players will choose the World Cup, and they are allowed. There's no o- doubt about it. They are allowed an overage player as well, so that's generally someone from their their senior national squad. So yeah, it'll be a very interesting situation. Yeah. There is there is a chance it does just fizzle out with the support against it. Yeah, 
And I think that support is rising mm. and two camps are forming. Well, logic would say that, yes, whilst it's a great idea and, and could be a good money spinner, the logistics behind it and the, the all the logical thinking would be that it's it's not in the best interest of the players, it's not in the best interest of the countries that are hosting, and it's not in the best interest of the game, so therefore it should just die a nasty death. And, and we have seen uh, that happen very recently with yeah. the European Super League where everyone, where it was bandied around as this fantastic new idea and there was just such a backlash that it was yeah. dropped, so... Let's hope. Let's hope that we uh, see the same thing with this. Yes, definitely. Two, two yearly World Cup. Now, the, another article that you've written was about the the um, as the concept of a national second tier becomes a reality in Australia. If I had a dollar for every year I've heard that, I'd, I'd have <laughs> at least ten bucks. Um, it's been around for a long time. It's been a reality for a long time, and it really all it is is words. And we get bogged down in in whether it's going to be a Championship League style or a um, home and away league, and then the costings of such a thing. And everyone's talking about it, but at the same time, they're all undermining and sinking it. Will we ever get a national second tier? have a will and a desire from most of the stakeholders in our game, mm-hmm. which isn't something that has that we've always been able to say in the past. But the major thing it's going to come down to is funding yeah. for the competition. Yeah. That is the biggest hurdle this, the national second tier has. Yeah. Because it's going to cost a lot of money and the clubs involved are likely going to lose a lot of money. Yes. So if that hurdle can be addressed, then I think we're potentially two years away from a competition. Mm. But that's a big if. But that it, is a huge if. But the thing is, we, we've got A-League teams that are hemorrhaging cash at the moment. And if it wasn't for the you know some of those benef- uh, beneficial owners like Tony Sage, who actually put their kids' um, inheritance into a club, um, we, we wouldn't have the competition we have and until they start to make money at it I think it's very hard to see how a second division would make money and definitely because the A-League already struggles with support yep and then the, next, the other question is are, are teams going to go uh, sorry are supporters going to go support their team when they're playing in national second division uh, second tier when they're bottom of the ladder how many, how many people will actually go to game? And it's fine to get the competition off the ground, but it has to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have to at least have the goal of being self-sufficient in the long term. I, I suppose as a business plan, though, each club would have to be financially self-sufficient through sponsorship and whatever other means that they could raise income, that they weren't reliant on, on bums on seats in the stadium. The national second tier does mm. become a reality. Teams yeah. will fold, and mm. teams will return to their state league competition. Yeah, and that isn't really something that can be avoided. It's that is going to be ha- something that the clubs have to realise, mm-hmm. and that's something the supporters have to realise, and that's something that the administrators need to realise. So, yeah. if you're willing to have that risk and push forward with it, it can happen. But we can't be under the illusions that every team is going to survive if they go into a national second tier. 
and that's and then, the truth of the matter. Absolutely, and then when you look at it, there's, there seems to be a couple of models, and one of them is just revive the NSL from 30 years ago, <laughs> and and you know don't worry about the WA sides or sides from Adelaide or sides from um, Townsville playing in the comp until it's developed. Um, and the other one is to go to a truly full national comp with teams from every state in there. Um, and I don't see how you can just do a revival of the NSL. Realistically, if it's just an Eastern States competition, it's not really a national second tier then, is it? No. In my, in my opinion, at least. If we're going to do this, we have to do it properly. It has to be the entire country, and it has to be done with the goal of achieving promotion relegation. Mm. And not just from the national second tier into the A-League. It has to be from the lowest level of our game, basically, all the way to the top tier. That has to be the goal. Because, in my opinion at least, for a club playing State League 5 or whatever, to be able to someday have the dream of making the A-League, that's what football's all about. Yeah, yep. But then I suppose the, the other question is then, if you've got, say, promotion relegation in its truest form throughout the comp and you've got um, one club from WA or one club from Queensland playing in that second tier and they finish bottom, who are they replaced by? That's a very good question, really. And you see some people suggest that the replacement team should be from Queensland. You know, the highest placed yeah. Queensland side should get promoted. Yep. Then, in that case, I guess it's not really merit-based. Mm. Mm-hmm. You might you might see a weak Queensland side, for instance, come up, get instantly relegated, and then it turns into a bit of a yo-yo situation yeah. with just the same cup. If, if you have a weak competition in the state leagues, then you'll just see the same teams finishing the bottom every year, and it's basically just a, just a roundabout of those state league teams getting relegated and promoted over and over. These are questions that will need to be addressed. Yeah. Mm. And, look, and, and in reality, the, the teams that are based in New South Wales and um, and Melbourne, oh, Victoria ten, would tend to be a little bit stronger. Um, you know, clubs like Heidelberg and that would, I imagine, be up the top. But then there's there's Green Gully. There's a whole range of other clubs around the place. We've got Perth, Bayswater here, um, who would possibly be in that league, but not necessarily at the top of it. But um, yeah, it's just for me, if you relegate one of those out and then they're replaced by a team from Victoria or New South Wales, then we've just killed the national element of the National Second League. Yeah, And that's something you have to put measures in place to maintain. Yeah. I think when, when, if, a, if a National Second Tier comes into play, for the first at least five years, there will be no relegation out of it. Mm. That's what I believe will happen. Yep. I don't. I don't. Th- I think they'll give clubs time to establish themselves. Yeah. Before they think about linking the entire football pyramid. Yep. However, that being said, as I said before, there will be plenty of teams who aren't able to maintain themselves in the national second tier for five yep. years. Yeah. And I think the other the other thing is when you look at it, it, it raises a whole new question then about professional players, professional contracts, payments to players and how all that works. And I imagine that would be a conversation we could have on another day. I think likely the national second tier does not launch professionally. 
I think there might be a few clubs who maybe are straddling that line of professional football. But there is no but straddling of the line. You, if you get paid any money to be a footballer, you're a professional. And if you don't get paid, you're an amateur. I guess, but also, these guys very well might end up having other careers outside football. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a realistic thing that we have to face. But the point of the national second tier is to increase professionalism in this country. Yeah. So I guess within a couple of years, the goal has to be for all these teams to be fully professional. There's talks of, obviously, you know, the, the championship style, yeah. 32 teams. That's maybe not a real national second tier, is it? No, it's no. not. No. no, it's not. All right, Parker, look, I think we're, we're at the, the limit of where we can go with this at the moment. Um, I'll have a conversation off you off, with you offline about some of the <laughs> things we've touched on and, and maybe the next time I get you on we'll, we'll develop something a little bit bigger around the, how the, the remuneration for players happens and, and what goes on uh, across the country because I think that's a very interesting discussion to have. So much for having me, guys. No worries. And have a good weekend. Excellent. Thank you very much, Parker. Thanks, Parker. Keep up the good work. Bye. Okay, Parker McKenzie. Um, some very good and interesting discussions there around the, the, the wider aspects of the game and the, the World Cup yeah. in, in a two-year cycle. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> no, no, I don't think it works for anyone other than FIFA, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you on that one. And, and I feel, the more I think about it, the more I think it will wind up being like the European Super League if they do push it they'll find the support drops for it and they'll forget about it very quickly. At least I like to think so. Absolutely, I think they will. All right, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after that with Donna Gouffray, who is the CEO of DT38, and uh, we'll be talking to her about what's going on in DT yep. and a few other things along the way. So we'll be back after these. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. Hi, I'm Penny Tanner-Hoth. It's season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia, morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed, but the content filled with passion, news, characters and history has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers, and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website, the World Football Program. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Okay, and we're back with the show. Um, lots going on in the world of football, and someone who's very connected with the football world is my next guest, Donna Gouffray. Good morning, Donna. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well, guys. How are you? Excellent. Uh, beautiful day for football. Beautiful day to be alive. And, um, yeah, just loving life at the moment. 
went went back and played my first game in ten years on Tuesday, still buzzing from it. So, yeah, it's good. How did you how did you pull up the next day? That's the main thing. <laughs> it's not how I pulled up the next day. Was it? I played Tuesday night and I'm still sore. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, love it's, it, love it's it. an honest pain, and I'm loving every second of it. So yeah, really good, really good, just to be out there awesome. playing. Good, good for the body, good for the soul, and good for the mind. So yeah, look, very much in yeah, in tune with what you're about um what's happening within dt38 at the moment obviously um covid on the eastern states is affecting everything and around the world we're starting to unfold so it should be starting to, to to go ahead yeah so as you just mentioned obviously with the eastern states it's uh, prevented a couple of things that we wanted to achieve this year over there um but you know it's out of our hands and it's out of a lot of people's hands obviously it's very sad what's going on um but we We'll be having our, um, hopefully this year, our charity golf day. Uh, we're in talks with um, one of the courses over here. So we're just waiting to see when the A-League fixtures, um, we're hearing noise that it's obviously the A-League season is probably going to be postponed for an extra month or so. Yep. Uh, so that obviously, you know, we need to work around that because we require, you know, um, our ambassadors that play within the A-League and play with Perth Glory and whatnot. Yep. Um, they support us. Uh, quite dramatically, which is great. So we obviously can't make too many decisions till we know those days. Um, but we've also, where you would have um, seen on our social platforms, we've got a save the date going out for our next particular um, cancer scan that's going to be happening. And yes. we've partnered up with the PSA for that. So it's um, it's fantastic um, that they've jumped on board. Uh, Robbie Gasper over here in Perth has been a huge supporter of DT38. And uh, he wanted to um, help out where he could and get the PFA involved. So there'll be more to do around that um, with more announcements happening. Um, but, yeah, so the scan is coming up. We were going to have it um, in the next couple of weeks, but we had to push it due to the AFL Grand Final being um, put here. Yeah, so yeah. kind of mess things about a bit, which is fine for the WA public. I'm sure they're buzzing about that. So... Just, you know, there's always logistics you need to work around to make sure that it's beneficial for, you know, the people that need to attend and for us as well. Absolutely. Um, now, with the golf day that you're, you're planning, have you gone any further with the idea of the century, which was the two-ball gift set? <laughs> Look, we've, yeah, we've got, the, we've got golf balls ready to go that were done last year um, for when we were proposing to have the golf yeah. day last year. And then obviously COVID happened. So they're there. They're ready to go. We've got that happening. Um, you know, the UK just had theirs and it was a huge success uh, over there and it's great that they've got their events up and running again after, you know, they were in lockdown for almost uh, yeah. 11 months or something crazy. But I'm just thinking that, you know, I'm just thinking that two DT38 golf balls in the small velvet bag with DT38 on it would be a perfect gift. Yep. It's all ready to go, <laughs> mate. We've got everything ready to go. We just actually need a date yep. um, that works and... We need COVID to go away, basically, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. allow us to to go on with um, with our event. So, look, it's looking like we're fingers crossed, hoping um, it will go ahead this year. Uh, hopefully, within the next few months. We don't want to obviously just put it on just because. No. Um, and it doesn't work out. You know, there's a lot of manpower behind it, and we want it to be as successful as it can for our first one over here because it's so great over in the UK. We're just going to model the models in both um, countries, yeah. which is great. Um, but, yeah, we're hoping it will be before the end of the year. Obviously, then it comes summer and the A-League season kicks off as well. So there's so many things that we need to be mindful of. We need, um, you know, it's not just our team that need to be available. It's players need to be there. And, you know, we've got 
ambassadors from every code as well that um, mm. you know we need on um, on deck as well. So, but we're hoping we're hoping it's going to be in the next few months. So that's the positive around it. No, definitely. I think the, the the awareness side of it is is always there, but it has to be funded somehow. Yeah. And you know, obviously, your ambassadors do a great job of keeping it in the in everybody's forefront as you do. Um, and look, as much as COVID will come and COVID will go, um, testicles are forever. So we just got to make sure yeah. that we we're we're keeping the awareness up because you know COVID will pass, or we'll just get used to living with it. But um, yeah. Yeah, we just need to keep that awareness up and things like your, your testing schedules and, and the free testing um, clinics and that are a wonderful thing to be doing. Look, yeah, the testing is um, one of the big parts of it and it's all thanks to Duncan at um, Ultrasound Services. He's got many locations as well. Um, you know, he's just been so supportive of the uh, of the charity and, you know, he wants to do more. He's happy to have two, three testings a year, three uh, screenings a year, I should say. So if we can get the numbers there and, you know, people want this, then, um, of course, it's going to be readily available to them. But, you know, we're always, as I say, we're always a phone call away. If, you know, we're not having a screening at the moment, it doesn't mean we can't organise for you to go down and see Duncan. He's, as I said, he's a huge supporter. So if someone was to contact myself or one of the team and say, hey, you know, I'm a bit concerned. Do you think I could go down and see your stenographer, whatever? You know, we'd organise and he'd, you know, open open arms and yeah. get you down there. So, you know, it's things like that. Um, you know, it's people like that that we're very thankful for uh, because without Duncan, we probably couldn't do the free screenings and whatnot. And we've got visions of hopefully, you know, it can be mobile and we can go to clubs and all that sort of stuff and centres and schools. And eventually in the future, that could be the, you know, that could be our, um, our goal. But, you know, we obviously need to raise enough funds. We need to start spreading more awareness and whatnot to actually achieve that. So, you know, there's all these little things that we want to do um, that require you know, a lot more work behind it. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, we we really appreciate the work that you're doing and I think there's other ways of funding it. So if, you, if we get onto your Facebook page... Um, yeah. there, there's a whole load of merchandise for sale, hats and, and T-shirts. Um, you can also make direct donations to uh, DT38, so you don't need to wait for something to happen to, to keep the the engine driving. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, we've had so many, um, you know, schools that we have, you know, we have no connection to, really, mm. uh, but they just know of the charity or they know of Dylan's name and they hear about it and it's so amazing and they'll call and be like, you know, we've raised, the kids have raised X amount of dollars for you and it's fantastic, but even... Um, you know, people on Facebook and when it's their birthdays, you can actually nominate a charity for people to donate to. And we've had people do that as well, you know, um, nominate ourselves uh, as their chosen charity instead of buying a gift for them, you do, you know, you donate. So there's that, there's containers for change, it's ongoing as well. We're so thankful to everyone for that. You know, we're thankful for everything and, uh, you know, every cent counts, you know, big or small. Uh, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, I don't really want to donate that. But no, it's, you know, every dollar counts, every cent counts for us, um, for our resources, for our awareness, for our next steps um, within the with the charity. Obviously, like you said, COVID is here to stay now, so we need to move on from it um, and learn to live with it. I mean, I think in Perth we have, um, but just in general, I think now it's, we've got to keep going now and uh, mm. build around it and, you know, move on to the next steps and try to, you know, try to do what we want to do and that's just obviously make sure what happened to Dylan doesn't happen again yep. and make sure enough people are educated. That's the, the, only thing I, education. 
the only thing I would disagree with with you on that one was that we've learnt to live with it in WA. We've learnt to avoid it very well, which yeah. is one way of coping with it. But we're going, yeah, to, yeah. We're, we're going to have to open our doors and we are literally going to have to get used to it. So, again, just on a, a health perspective, get yourself immunised. Um, it's, you know, people Absolutely. say vaccines don't work, but, you know, there's a reason why I, I grew up with kids with polio and I don't see anyone with that now. Mm. And that was down to vaccinations. No. You know, my father had TB. Um, we don't have that as an issue because of the vaccination programs yeah. have eradicated it. So, yeah, get on board. I, I agree with you on that. I wanna, yeah. yeah, I agree. If we're going to start, you know, for ourselves in particular, if we're going to, for DT38, go nationally, which we've already started, mm. you know, we've, We've we've set those grounds. Uh, we can't do much if you know. Obviously, our borders are closed, and I'm not you know do as you please. But unfortunately, yep. um, you don't know what's in a chicken nugget at McDonald's. I think you'll be okay with a vaccination. <laughs> We're fine. Yeah. Um, is my theory. Yeah. So um, I'm not here to push it, but hey, I want to go home and see my family, and I would love for us to start expanding things. You know, they're yeah. over east in Melbourne, and now. It's it's taken off again over there. So yeah. it's time we, um, yeah, so as you're 100% right, we've put a Band-Aid over it over here and we're kind of living our lives. But, um, yeah, look, you know, for us at DT38, obviously we're all about expanding nationally and globally and, and seeing what's happening in the UK, it's amazing. So we need we need that over here. On that it's basis important. of expansion, um, I suppose it's very important that, um, testicular cancer isn't selective. It doesn't just affect soccer no. players. It affects mm. basketballers, Correct. Aussie rules footballers, cricketers, anybody that, that has a pair can get this. So, um, you know, it's good to see that you're, you're spreading across the codes and, and, you know, Dylan being a good yeah. Aussie boy would have grown up with Aussie rules as part of his, his background. Um, so it's important that we, we don't just um, concentrate on our own code, but we do everything else as well. Absolutely. I think people obviously associate our charity with football because of Dylan and obviously it's predominantly, you know, most of our ambassadors have come from there, yeah. which is, you know, very natural and it's, it was bound to happen. But we've, you know, we definitely have a range of ambassadors from basketball to musicians to everything. So, you know, it um, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't discriminate. You could be, you know, you could own a local kebab shop and get to secure cancer. It's everyone and anyone that is a male um, across the globe, across the world, that could could possibly get to secure cancer. And I, I say this all the time. If you feel unwell, something is wrong, just go get checked. It, it will save your life. And yeah. like I said, what happened to Dylan was a tragedy, but it's also worked. It's now, um, you know, what he's, what's happened to him has worked for us in terms of we are now helping people get through you know certain stages and we're Absolutely. educating people making sure what happened to dylan and it doesn't not, happen again so he's watching over us in that aspect exactly and it extends beyond just that testicular cancer model there's Absolutely. a whole range of other things you know um your cardiac is, is something very important if you if you're having a pain in the chest go to the hospital get checked out um i've got a friend yeah. i've got a friend at the moment who has become an advocate for uh, prostate testing he's going through some some tough stuff at the moment but you know ignored yep. ignored the test was worried about the finger and it's all a blood test these days so um you know don't forget about your health don't be shy about your health and you know it's quite embarrassing sometimes to to go to a doctor and you know just get the twins out but if you need to you, that's what you've got to do um get over yeah, yourself because yeah you know, your life is much much more important than that five minutes of embarrassment i think if um anything has taught us in the last couple of years, I think, um, you know, your health is your number one. And yes. uh, without that, you know, it, there's there's no need to 
you know, tap around it. It's whatever it is, I think people need to just tackle it and go and don't... The doctors are there for a reason. They're there to help us. Yeah. Um, and if they say, oh, look, you know, nothing's wrong, it's all good, then you've had that, you've gone and got checked, you've given yourself peace of mind. And it's not just for yourself, for the people around you as well that are concerned, you know. Um, also, you know, with testicular cancer and any, you know, your mental health is one of the most important things to get you through, hopefully, you know, get you through it to the end and, you know, you're fine on the other side or, you know, even just to help you get through the chemo or the radiation or whatever it is, even the doctor's appointments are daunting. Um, so your mental health needs to be just as you know, as strong and make sure you're, you're using your connections around you. And there's so much help out there. At the, like, you know, it's crazy. So, you know, even with us, if you, you're going through it and you need a chat, we're here to chat. You know, even if it's an yeah. email and you just want to reply, and them. if you just want to email and vent and you don't want to reply, just write that. <laughs> like, it's there for you. <laughs> and did I just hear you say, don't be afraid to tackle the tackle? <laughs> uh, I know. I know. I, I have a, you know, I had a, we had a, um, a DT38, like a Zoom call last yeah. week and, Tracy and Claire were laughing because they're like, you just kept putting these little puns or things and I don't realise that I'm doing it anymore. I'm like, I just don't know what I'm saying. I know, because it's very important that we, we demystify it and we make it fun because that's that's really yeah. where we, we go forward from it. Now, talking about something that was not fun and we've had a couple of things happen in the community later. We were talking to well, Steve Burton yeah. earlier on today oh. about um, Danny Hodgson, uh, Hodgson, but, you know, what happened there was, was oh. tragic. Uh, going back a couple of weeks, though, um, you know, a big loss to anyone who's been a Glory fan mm. um, and Sam Peters, you know, we've all seen him, we all know him, and it's uh, affected yeah. a lot, a lot of people, not just in our code, but other codes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I met um, Sam, I think, oh, God, I, I want to say eight, nine years ago, and I've been in Perth for almost 12 now, and, um, you know, it was such a sweet guy, uh, loved his sport, um, whatever it was, uh, loved it, loved it, loved it. Obviously, loved his glory, loved his socceroos, um, you know. And he was such a sweet, passionate, um, caring, very gentle. I mean, we had the best banter. He obviously knew that I was a victory supporter from Melbourne, but you know, even after that, he would send a message after it, like if victory lost or you know we beat them, he'd actually send a message. He'd ask if I was okay, which was <laughs> the sweetest thing in the world. Um, and, you know, it wasn't like we were best of friends by any means, but I knew him because I'm, you know, in the football community here um, and we met and he's always been su he was always such a beautiful guy. No doubt, um, you know, uh, shining down on everyone, uh, you know, in the next, you know, for this season coming yeah. up, I'm sure he's looking down. And like I think his mum said, he would have joined a sports club up there already. <laughs> um, so it was a huge loss. I mean, yeah. we knew that he was unwell. Um, I know that Blaine... Um, you know, one of my co-founders at the Far Post yep. was close to him as well. Um, quite a few of the Shed members were. So, you know, everyone knew he was sick. I think we just didn't know the extent of it, which is fine. Obviously, it's a personal um, struggle and what, you know, it's a personal story for people. But I think the outpouring of love and, you know, that you saw, there's not a bad, there was not a bad bone no. in his body. So, and I think the, the, um, you know, the testimony yeah. for Sam is that there's a lot of people that knew Sam without knowing him. Mm. And then there, there were other people that had got further in through those layers to, to be close friends. But even just as yep. a nodding acquaintance, you got a nice warm feeling from the guy. You, oh. you just liked him. And, you know, he, he was who he was. he was. He was another one like Danny who just lights up a room. And, you know, yep. um, the, sad, the, the world is a sader place without him. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like, like you said, he's... You know, even people like, you know, Sam McMillan, who loves his football in Australia, TV personality, 
went out of his way and even like put a like a comment on you know the post that was on his Facebook saying that he loved the chats that he had about the Socceroos with him. Like to go to that point of these people who you know we talk about and see on our TV and whatnot and look up to who love football, just to know that he made an impact even you know further um, is unbelievable. So you know it's a very very um, it was a very sad week when everyone found out, but mm. I think um, he was. From what I see, um, I couldn't be there, unfortunately, but the celebrations in his honour were, you know, everyone's having a good time, having a laugh, sharing stories and wearing, you know, all their favourite sports teams' gear. Which and is whatnot. the way he wanted they, it. Yeah, mm. yeah, they honoured him um, exactly the way he would have wanted to be honoured and celebrated. So, um, big loss, but obviously always, um, you know, just like everyone else that, mm. you know, we love that goes, will always be in our hearts. So, yeah, his memory will live on, no doubt. Now, touching on your your A League side, the victory um, yeah. could could be could be my second team this year because I've renamed them Glory B side. <laughs> <laughs> I um, it's funny. I was joking about that to my husband because um, he was, you know, uh, they've made their announcements when they've been making them just on the media side. Um, I've been loving, you know, the videos and things like that. I think it's been fantastic. It's just engaging. Yeah, and um, it was funny. I think Laurie did one a couple of weeks ago when they announced um, one of the guys coming back or signing on. And um, I just joked to my husband, I'm like, you know who Glory don't have? Mm-hmm. Christian And mm-hmm. I was just joking with him and he was getting really angry with me. Um, <laughs> and it's because we obviously have your whole side pretty much and the coach. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm very happy. Look, you know, uh, on paper, it's obviously one of the strongest sides. Um, in the league now, if you were to look at it. Yeah. But, you know, you don't win a game on paper. So I'm very interested to see how we're going to go. I'm very confident. Um, if anyone knows the way Popper um, trains his players, uh, I've seen a difference already. and spoken to a couple of the guys, and they're like, holy shit, we haven't had this since Kevin Oh, Marcus. no, it's, it's, it's um, like a, an SAS. <laughs> it's like an SAS campaign. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Look, I just said, I'll stop paying for gym memberships and everything. Send me over to him for a couple of months <laughs> and get me into shape, and then we'll be fine. Yeah. Like, just let's just go trade. Yeah, so look, you know, it's very exciting. Um, I think that the big news is just the sidetrack is the W League. They've expanded. We've got Wellington yes. joining, yes. Um, which is awesome. Ma- um, Mariners, and West you know, Un- Mariners and Western yep. United, yeah, great. Yeah, look, it's so good. I think it's, it's a 10-league, a 10 a 10-team yep. league now or something. I think that's amazing. Um, my, obviously, the Western United and um, Central Coast, I was excited for, but... For Wellington, I think for me, it was the fact that, you know, not long ago we were saying, well, not myself, but people were saying they didn't want Wellington in the league, as in in the A-League. Mm. So um, I think it's fantastic that we have that. And I think, you know, it'd be good for Gloria. They can have another long-distance um, derby or derby, whatever you guys want to call it. I hate that name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the trophy that you guys Yeah, you may as well just call it the most irrelevant derby ever, but yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's a trophy in your cabinet, um, so we need to appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Look, it, it doesn't matter if we if we put in our cabinet. I'm sure Victor will offer us money for it and end up in there. So <laughs> we'll loan it. Can we have it on loan? No, it's great. So I'm really excited for the um, W League expanding. I think it's yep. huge for um, the league and for women's football. It just means more women um, can play, and it means you know we're not there's so many players out there that are so talented that just haven't yep. had the opportunity. But now with three extra teams, um, you know. It's, it's great, and I'm very yeah. interested to see what would happen because a couple of the W League Glory women's team had a couple of um, Kiwis last season. So yep. Yep. it'll be interesting to see whether they'll come back or they'll stay home. 
So yeah. it'll be really good to see. It's, it's, it's a great bit of a, a strange configuration with the uh, Wellington Phoenix yes. as well. So they have they can have up to eleven Kiwis. They have to have yes. uh, seven Aussies, and if they sign any other internationals, that comes out of their Kiwi quota. So they yes, they're locked into so seven bizarre. Australians. Yeah, it's hmm. so bizarre to me. Um, you think you'd want to promote? You think it'd be the other way around? Yeah. Well, no, I think. I get where you're coming from, but it's an Australian competition and I, I see by having seven Australians in there, the the W League are protecting the development of Australian yeah, of players and, and I think it's only fair that they, they do take the foreign component out of the New Zealand component because primarily the A-League and W League are about developing Australian players, um, not New Zealand players. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. I can, I completely understand that. But you know, where where does it leave all those talented footballers over there? I know they've got a really strong league over there as well. Yeah. Um. You know, I get it. It's just it was so bizarre when I heard that Nothing they removed a them. player to add a player. Nothing to stop them playing for, for Western United or, or Mariners or Perth Glory. So Mariners. There's plenty of opportunities <laughs> for them in other, in other clubs. All right, uh, Donna, now, yeah. thank you very much for what you're doing with DT38. Thank you for being so much fun no this worries. morning. Um, you always Thanks are a on, good person to talk to, so thank you for what you do. Thank you, and uh, have a good weekend. You too. Thanks, Donna. Stay safe. Bye. Donna Gufray, DT38, um, and just a, a good laugh all around. Nice to ribber about the glory as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, now that Sam's gone, someone else has to do it, I suppose. Yeah, true. Um, all right, we're going to go to a break very shortly, and we'll be back after that with Tony Pinata from Perth Glory, um, and we'll be talking to him about a range of things that have happened over the last week or so, and the... Um, News that they're moving to Fremantle. Yes. So we're back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Ausfest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Okay, uh, while we're going over that, we'll go over the uh, second division results. Uh, so last week in the second last round, Dianella White Eagles had a 4-0 win over Kelmscott Ruse. Karamar Shamrock Rovers had a 2-1 away win to Morley Windmills. Murdoch University Melville 3-0 over Joondalup City. Uh, Wanneroo and Belga had a shootout. Belga coming away with that one 4-3. Uh, Kenning City lost 1-4 at home against Gosnell City. And Curtin Uni and Kingsley Westside played out a nil-all draw. All right, we'll catch up with the fixtures later because yep. joining us on the phone now is the CEO of Perth Glory, Tony Pinata. How are you, Tony? Yeah, I'm well, thanks, guys. Um, some some massive news, and I thought an interesting article in the paper yesterday. It's nice to see a two-page spread in the West about football uh, any time of the year, but great to see a lot of it there about Richie and the team this year. Um, although I did notice that they, they mentioned that Brandon Wilson was departing. I, I didn't hear that news. Yeah, no, Brandon left um, at the end of uh, last season. I think he's got yeah. a, uh, an overseas gig. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. he, uh, yeah, he, um, yeah, sort of left basically straight after the uh, season finished last year. All right, last yeah. A bit going on at that time yourself. So, um, yeah, look, it's um, it's just nice to see that there is a bit more um, football-orientated news within the paper. Um, and I thought, overall, a very positive article. Yeah, no, it was a good article. And, you know, Nick, Nick Taylor, the, uh, the writer, does, uh, you know, tries and gets it in there. And, yeah, it was, it was pleasing to see a double-page spread, actually. It was good. Mm. Enjoyed it. Yeah, same here. Um, memberships going well. I see. I got a notice my in my email box the other day that the membership cards are, are, are arriving in the post. I've been out every day and oh, yeah, still waiting for mine. I've been walking back sadly. You know, with a big <laughs> droopy. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> I should be getting it shortly though. Yes. Yeah. No. Look. Uh, yeah. I think all the cards were uh, sort of uh, sent out, um, and then the membership packs. Uh, they'll get uh, you know picked up at our first home game. Um, yeah, look, memberships sort of stalled a little bit. I think everyone's waiting for the fixtures to come out, um, which hopefully is probably another three to four weeks. Um, you know, there's a lot of balls in the air in terms of uh, you know borders open, borders closed, uh, how we go about it. So that's uh, all been sort of uh, ironed out, and uh, um, yeah, we're hoping that the pictures can come out soon. Yeah, it's, it's incredible the effect that COVID has had over the last few years. And, and this year, obviously, both the A-League and W-League affected. Um, I believe Alex is still over in Sydney. No, Alex, uh, we got him out. So he's oh, good. Quarantine, so he's, uh, he actually got out on Wednesday. So Alex is here. Um, yeah, we've got, uh, I think, uh, seven players over east that we're now work- working with WA Police to try and get them in, given that New South Wales is basically shut off uh, to Perth yep. um, and, and Victoria. So there's a bit of uh, bit of work to be done there to get them uh, across uh, for pre-season. And, and a lot of good signings, particularly in the, the W League side. Um, great to see that we've got uh, Morgan Aquina back, but there's been a lot of other um, signings and I think Alex has been... So you've been given the backing by yourself and Tony to to bring those those players in um, as opposed to his first year where it was all a bit rushed. Yeah, first year, you know, we didn't even know if we were going to have a team. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, put, put together quickly. But this uh, this season we've had more time and, and Alex has done a good job in, in sort of recruiting players um, and getting them across. We've got a you know, Kiwi um, international who won the... Uh, Women's uh, MGP award, um, of Anton, and um, you know she played in the, uh, in the Olympics as well. So yep. we're looking forward to getting her back. And yeah, you know, as you said, Morgan's back and Carol's back. So yeah, it's a good uh, good squad. And yeah, we're hoping to do uh, well a lot better than we did last season, given the uh, circumstances we uh, had encountered. Yeah, no, it was a very, very difficult year all round. But I think what shone through was that Alex is a very good coach. And, you know, although the results didn't go their way, um, the games I watched, they were very competitive. It was just, you know, a bit of bad luck here and there that really separated them. So I think, you know, good things this year. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, last year we had Gemma who sort of did a hamstring early and that she was our sort of basically a striker. So mm. lost her. And, yeah, you're right. They were competitive and... Yeah, a couple of games blew out, but most of the time we were in it. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't snag a win. But anyway, that's in the past, and we're going to now focus on on the future and hopefully have a good uh, good season. Now, one of the outstanding fixtures we've got is the FF up 
FFA Cup game against Victory. Is there any news on that one and when mm. that's going to happen? No, not at the moment. Um, you know, the winner out of us and Victory will play Adelaide City. Um, and we can play Adelaide City because their borders are open to Adelaide. So, yeah. no, we're just waiting to see what happens with the borders. But at the moment, those playoff games between us and Melbourne Victory and Newcastle and West United uh, are all on hold. I think some of the other games can go ahead uh, in the FFA Cup. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're waiting to see what happens with uh, with the borders. And, look, it's unlikely that we're going to be playing those games anytime soon. But I think, you know, FF, FFA or Football Australia are going to be pushing the cup back a little bit, you know, towards the end of the year. So uh, we'll, we'll be able to play that game sometime probably later this year. Yeah, because it'd be nice to see some of our old players back and the Glory B team in action. <laughs> but yeah, I can't wait. To, I was actually speaking to Popper the other day and uh, said I can't wait for uh, Perth Board to play Melbourne Glory. Yeah, a bit of a chuckle. Yeah, I, I think the the shed will be singing Glory Reject with some gusto that day. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be giving it to him, that's for sure. Yeah, not a problem. Um, now, the, there's been a lot of signings for the men's team and, you know, there's um, it's it's good to see a lot of young players coming in. Um, obviously, the one, and he's, uh, it must be a very tough negotiator if you can't turn him around, is Diego. How are we going with, with Diego? Well, if you read the article, I think Richie uh, put it to in, in, a, in He's a tough negotiator. So, look, we're still uh, ongoing talks with him and... Uh, uh, yeah, it's coming to a head, I suppose, because you've got to make a decision sooner uh, rather than later. So we'll see what happens in the next uh, next couple of weeks. And and you would have a B plan in place? Sorry? You'd have a B plan in place? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I suppose we would, definitely. Yeah, oh, it's good. Look, uh, he's been a great servant to the club. It'd be, you know, it's hard to see a glory without him, but then each year that passes, um, he gets more difficult, I suppose. Um, yes. Yeah, he's he's still quality, but um, yeah, we got to look somewhere else if we have to. Now, the the bigger news this week has been the move to Fremantle, obviously prompted by um, the rugby league side not um, releasing or renewing your lease um, in your current quarters. So, um, not the ideal thing for you. You'd rather stayed where you were or have your own um, bespoke venue. Yeah, and we've been five years at, uh, at Florida there, and I think Rugby WA uh, sort of want to uh, take over more Western Force, uh, you know, now entrenched in the competition, so they wanted more space. So, unfortunately, we uh, we have to move. Look, it's not ideal um, because it is a bit of a headache, but, you know, the positive is that we get our own facilities in Fremantle, uh, where the uh, old uh, dockers used to have, um, and we basically sort of uh, can... can can be there by ourselves, uh, so that's uh, that's that's exciting. A uh, bit of work to be done, but um, mm. yeah, we're happy to be out there by sort of end of October. And and would that include use of the oval, or would that be exclusively football still? No, no, we can use the oval. So W League and um, NPL teams will use it. Um, we're trying to you know work with the uh, city council to get us a, a venue for. Uh, uh, the A League team, and, and hopefully it's a venue that we can then call home for our NPL team. Mm. So uh, that's discussions we're having at the moment, and um, yeah, I'm quite confident that we'll we'll, we'll find a, a venue around Fremantle uh, to play those games and to train uh, the A League team there. 
Yeah, I, I've seen some commentary on, and we've, we've been asked to ask a question about yeah. the the um, investment into obviously propping up rugby and now Aussie rules and how you haven't um, or put money back into the local game. But, you know, you've been quite nomadic um, as far as the NPL goes and a number of clubs have been in partnership with you, which is, again, not an ideal situation, um, both for the W League and for the A League. Um, I suppose for yourselves, it, w- it would be nice to consolidate all of those resources on, under your own control. Yeah, look, exactly. You know, in the past we've played at Dorian Gardens, but you know, each year our home ground has been uh, Forest Field for our NPL. So it would be good that we have our own our own venue, and you know, um, yeah, it's part of the I suppose the uh, regulations as well. But um, yeah, we're uh, we're working towards that. Yeah, I look, and I think you yeah, people that. Uh, have some of the information don't understand why you moved from where you did and then as to to where you're moving you're you're very um it's very difficult to find an area which has the administrative hub that you need and obviously with the dockers leaving that building vacant it's almost um purpose built for you it would have all the things that you needed to run a professional football unit from and then finding a pitch is is in this state almost impossible yeah, no, you're right. Um, you know, people got to understand. You know, we've got three professional teams in, so our W League teams going to be there. Our A League teams, our NPL, you know, teams are going to be there from the 18s onwards. Um, yeah, so to try and find a venue that accommodates all that uh, is difficult, um, and we're very lucky that uh, you know the Fremantle City Council uh, are moving roughly around the same time that we can we have to move in. So yeah. it's, uh, mm. it's worked. Uh, to a tree, to be honest. And Ken Allen, is that part of the... Ken Allen Reserve, is that part of the equation or is that something still in discussion? Yeah, Ken Allen is uh, available given that the uh, rugby's moved out, but uh, I know Fremantle City uh, are looking at it as well. So it's a discussion mm. we'll have with Fremantle City and the, and the City Council to see what what we can... Uh, you know, how we can work together, if we can work together. Uh, if not, the council is uh, also exploring other options as well. So um, that'll be some discussions we'll have in the next uh, three to four weeks. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, look, uh, I suppose from from the Fremantle City perspective, um, they've been the, the biggest player in that area and would be a little concerned that your presence within the city may detract from the funding that they can get. Do you, do you think that's going to be an issue or do you... You think you can coexist without creating too many problems for them? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I've always I've been on record saying we're not about to go in there and take over. I don't, I don't like to operate like that. I want to coexist. I want to make sure that we don't, you know, uh, I suppose just work with the the grassroots in the community in Fremantle. Um, mm. I think it's a great opportunity for Perth Glory to, to go mm. to Fremantle. It's another market, but. Um, yeah, we're going to meet with the uh, the president uh, of Fremantle City, I think, next week and just sit down, have a coffee and a chat on how we can work together and how they can, you know, uh, assist us, how we can assist them and how we can coexist. Uh, and I think we'll come to uh, a, a good uh, agreement there. And I think for, for Fremantle, when you look at the um, the A-League warm-up games, the W-League games, MPL games, and the, the proximity to the, the Cappuccino strip, um, you know, it seems like a, a marriage made in heaven, really. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So it's, uh, it, 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 
it's a venue, uh, an area that, um, you know, uh, is very multicultural, uh, big community. Um, you know, we'll still be playing our home games at HBF Park and we'll have a footprint in, in Fremantle. And um, that's, uh, that's, that's a positive as well for us. And do you plan to cycle to work? It'd be a, a nice little ride to there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I was actually out that way this, uh, this morning. But uh, no, I'll probably uh, drive. Um, just uh, I hate cycling that night on the way home. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Just, uh, so I'll just do my, keep doing what I'm doing in the morning and, uh, yeah, uh, drive to work. Oh, it just doesn't seem right when you've got the car parked outside the coffee shop instead of the bike, and you're there and you like her with your coffee. But you know, I'm, I'm sure you can do. I'm sure you can do what most people do: just stick it on the back of the car and then take take the bike and walk over to the coffee shop in your lycra. You still get out and about on the bike a lot. Yeah, yeah, did uh, did uh, good 110 k's this morning uh, around the western suburb hills. So uh, yeah. Um, you know, I do a, do a fair bit of uh, cycling, so I'm enjoying... Uh, it's been a bit cold and wet, though, the last uh, last month, so I'm looking forward to uh, warmer weather coming up. Mm. Yeah, uh, me too. I think it'd be nice to get some warm weather, and then we'll complain about the heat, I imagine, and having to go and watch the glory in the blistering sun, but, yeah, that's I don't mind where I watch them. I'll always watch. Yep. Um, well, I think it might be different this year with Channel 10 and uh, Paramount. I think, uh, you know... We're really they're a little bit more open to kickoff times, etc. Being a streaming service uh, as well, so yep. uh, you know that's uh, that's one thing we've told the uh, APL about. You know those kickoff times in the blistering sun. So uh, I'm hoping they're a thing of the past. Yeah, it would be nice. Um, have you had much contact with with the broadcast partners, of the, or is that something that somebody else is doing? Uh, Channel Ten have been very good. Channel Ten Perth, they've you know sort of. Uh, Really want to, you know, sort of get get on board, and uh, you know they're, they're looking for stories. Um, they were at our um, uh, photo shoot for our new strip yesterday, so no, look, they're uh, they're very good and they're very proactive. So it's uh, it's nice to have a partner like that, yeah, um, and, and one who really wants to promote the game. So uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's exciting times with uh, with Channel Ten and, and Paramount Plus. I've actually seen a few things of theirs. They were out at one of your training sessions and they were talking to some of the youth squad with um, Brandon Wilson. Uh, not Brandon Wilson, Brandon O'Neill. So, yeah, you're right. They are a little bit more proactive, which is, yeah, it's been subtle, but it's it's there. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. All right. And now we're talking about the, the, the COVID coming in and how that's affected things. Um for, for most people, and, and as a fan, I'm just, you know, hanging out for a date when I can go and watch the team play. Mm. But from your perspective with your backroom team, um, booking hotels, booking accommodation, transport to and from, um, how how do you approach that when you've got nothing to work off? Yeah, I mean, we're waiting. We're just working with uh, APL on the fixture, in, um, you know, how we can play some, some games at home while borders are open. Um, how does that look like? Um, so once that's sort of done, then we can sort of go out and do the logistics. So, um, yeah, the fixtures are, are very important and, uh, you know, it's, it's a moving target as, uh, as we speak. So, uh, as I said before, we're, uh, we're hopeful that the next three to four weeks we'll have those, uh, if not earlier, those fixtures. Yeah. And I suppose the earlier they come out, the, the hopefully some more people from, from memberships will, will jump on. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Um, 
you know, from a sponsorship point of view, it's been very good. Uh, we've managed to just sort of, you know, retain BHP. Um, you know, initiative and is still there. And, uh, you know, we've got a couple of other new sponsors uh, from the W League that we're, we're about to announce shortly as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, from a membership and a corporate sales point of view and hospitality, it's sort of stopped at the moment. Um, people are, you know, just waiting for the fixtures and see how it all plays out. So, um, but from a yeah, business we need, perspective, uh, we need the members back on. Sorry? From a business perspective, how does that affect your cash flow? Because obviously, um, it's, it doesn't run on fresh air, does it? No, it, it impacts on a lot, to be honest. Um, you know, we had a good take-up earlier on when, um, you know, the, the, the high-end uh, members who wanted to retain their seats, you know, the platinum members and the gold, and we sold out of all those. But now with the silvers, which is the bulk of the membership, uh, it's a bit of a trickle. So that does impact your uh, your cash flow. Yeah. Uh, and, and dollars coming into the business, uh, which is uh, makes it uh, quite difficult. Now, I'm a silver member, and I committed quite early. When you said high-end, I thought you meant me for a minute. I thought, oh, very nice of you, Tony. <laughs> but it, you know, it, they're your bread-and-butter memberships, and they're the people that need to be engaged. And I suppose yeah. there's, there's a whole range of things around that. One is the fixtures. The other one is um, departures, incoming signings, and things like that. So it's, it's quite difficult to... Um, to the casual fan, sell that we've just signed this person you don't know, as opposed to a Castro or a known name. So, you know, like the Brandon O'Neill uh, signing was was brilliant, um, but yeah. then you know after that, there's a couple of where people have just gone, mm, yeah, looks all right, but I don't know who he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the confidence of, of some of the the more fickle fans, if you like, are. Um, are difficult to predict. Um, you've got the died in the wall glory fans who'll, who'll buy them, whatever. Even if you played me out there, they'd still watch. <laughs> so you know, it's... yeah, I mean, look, you know, we, yeah, you know, Brad Jones is actually in quarantine. Comes yep. out, I think, tomorrow. Yeah, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Adrian Sudanero. He's coming out. Uh, you know, playing for OFI Crete in the Greek First Division. Mm-hmm. He scored six goals there last season. I think he was joint top scorer for the club. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's an exciting prospect for us, uh, winger, um, and uh, you know someone who could uh, you know basically you know replace Chris Conamedi's, um style of play as well. So yeah, yeah, we've got probably one more signing to do, and uh, and then that'll be it. But uh, Daryl Lackman's now back. Uh, he's mm-hmm. done his two weeks hotel quarantine, so That's he's good. Uh, back on the track. Yeah, um, you know Bruno's still there, Andy's still there, Brandon, and you know with. You know, Luke Bodner and, and Steinsy and, and Callum, they're going to be better uh, yeah. after uh, you know full season uh, of playing in the A-League and the full pre-season as well. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a good balanced squad and, uh, you know, we're hopeful of uh, doing a lot, lot better than we did last season. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I think, you know, the re-signing of Ota was was good news as well. He was very, very good. And I think if he'd have joined... Maybe a few weeks earlier could have taken out the club champion, and probably featured in in the national um, competition in that way. Uh, Luke Bodnar for me, um, from the the young fellas that were introduced, just grew and grew all year. Um, and you know, Callum works works his work rate's phenomenal, and, and it's just good to see that they are coming through and getting those opportunities. And I think they're. They're the things that I like to see is those young blokes coming through and 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 flourishing. Yeah, exactly. We've got, you know, Pacific from Adelaide and we've got uh, Anthony um, who, uh, from East who plays, he's has played, I think, with, with War and uh, a few games in Newcastle, yeah. um, who, you know, 
by the end of the season, uh, people will know who they who they are as well. So that's uh, that's good, and uh, it bodes well for the club to have that youth coming through. And and how's the family? Because your family are all still eastern based. Yeah, I've got uh, managed to get my wife out um, in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. Um, so she did a, a sort of a two weeks isolation. So she's moved here now to Perth. Uh, it was just uh, it's difficult. I've, I've been home for about three months. So mm. um, yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, but you know, I'm one of many, I suppose, that uh, are in this predicament. So you know, we're uh, you know just uh, hopeful that um, you know the vaccination rates go up and you know and, and the national plan is uh, to to open up a little bit uh, down the track when everything uh, is is on track. So yeah, uh, you know, we we leave it to the government to work that out. But um, yeah, that uh, that will help our season as well. That uh, it's more normal season home and away than we did, you know, enjoyed last year, where we had to play seven games at home in, mm. in about three weeks. Yeah, other than COVID's made lots of changes. Um, what's your stance on on vaccination throughout the squad? Yeah, look, it's pretty good. Um, I think everyone realises uh, that you know to travel and to, to enter stadiums. Um, so, you know, most most people have. Uh, I think we're about ninety percent have had their first dose, and about thirty percent have had their second dose as well. And that's across the league as well. Um, and uh, look, we haven't. Uh, we've made sure that everyone. Speak to their own GP, to our club doctor who's been available as well if they've got any questions and um, they can make up their own mind. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a push from some of the stadiums over east that you only can go in if you're uh, fully vaccinated. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the Socceroos could be playing a home game next month um, and Bankwest uh, Stadium and yeah. only you can only go if you're fully vaccinated. So we're going to see more and more of that. I know there's ethics involved, etc., but uh, we need to protect uh, everyone that um, you know. If you, this COVID is, is not going away, don't, I don't disagree with you. You've yeah. seen with the Delta variant that it's very contagious, um, so we're going to make sure that we're uh, protected from it. And you know, if you do get it, then you can, yeah, you know, your, your immune system can fight it off. But look, I'm no doctor. Um, no. I listen to them. They say you know, the vaccine works, so gone out and got my double dose and fully vaccinated. I've got my passport, so I'm ready to go. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Um, I work in a high risk industry, so I, I got vaccinated very early. But um, look, it didn't do me any harm, and I'm I'm happy to say that you know my whole family's been done. So um, I think it's just socially responsible to to get yourself vaccinated. All right, I think Tony, so, and you've got to protect uh, you've got to protect everyone else around you. Absolutely. Yep. Because um, the thing is, that there are some people that can't be vaccinated and we're protecting them by being vaccinated ourselves. Thank you very much for your time this morning. No problems. Um, Pleasure. Yeah, no, it's good. And good luck with the move. I think um, you know, if you can find your own venue that you can then build on would be brilliant. Um, and this is probably the, the best that's available at the moment. So thank you for your time. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Tony Pinata, Perth Glory. Um, lots going on there. Look, tough. Um, they've got to be somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and they have very specific needs, and I think that the centre that the Doc has walked out of is perfect for them. Yep. Um, because not only does it have the administration space they need, it also has the training facilities, uh, weight rooms, and things like that that they need as well. Yeah. So it makes makes logical sense. Bit tough on Fremantle City, I think. You know, particularly if they 
if Ken Allen gets used as a venue for them, then it does dissolve, and I think it's going to create some issues uh, with council funding. Yeah. But, you know, obviously that's something they need to work with. That's true. And, um, mm. yeah. All right, second division fixtures uh, today. Second division fixtures. So final round coming up. Uh, Karamar, Shamrock Rovers are at home against Belga. Kelmscott Roos are hosting Gosnell City. Wanneroo City are away to Kingsley Westside. Joondalup City at home against Morley Windmills. Murdoch University Melville are hosting Dianella White Eagles and Canning City at home against Curtin Uni. So Dianella have wrapped the league title up there. Yep. Uh, the playoff for promotion between second and uh, second and fourth, second, third and fourth place teams. Uh, Wanneroo in fifth are still in the running if they can snaffle a win. Yep. And at the other end of the table, Kelm Scott Roos are definitely finishing bottom of the league. Absolutely. Now, be remiss of us if we didn't mention the ladies' league. That's right. And so. Mum took out the title last Friday they, they night had a in a two-one win over Northern Redbacks. Yeah, no, that's, and that's been basically the two sides been an arm wrestle all season. Exactly. And like any league, you'd want them to finish the way it did, which was the winner was decided by that final game. So, and know, well done, had, well done to both sides. Well done to both sides. And so the results are from last week in the final round of the women's NPL: two-one uh, to Mum FC over Northern Redbacks, six-one to Hyundai NTC over Curtin. Perth SC uh, 4-0 over Subiaco and Balcada 1-0 away win over Fremantle City. Yep. And in the semi-finals last night, because we haven't had enough of these two teams nope. playing each other, uh, Mum had a 3-2 win over Northern Redbacks. And then tomorrow afternoon, it's Perth SC against Fremantle City. So assuming the finals are the same as yep. uh, they and are for the men, men's, yep. uh, Mum FC are now into the grand final and Northern Redbacks will have to play the winner of Perth or Fremantle yep. to... Um, to see who goes uh, goes into the Just grand final to meet them. So Perth against Fremantle is probably a perfect analogy for Perth Glory against Fremantle City down at Ken Allen as well. So. <laughs> Absolutely. All righty. So that's been Ask for the Week. Thank you very much, Pete, for your time. Penny will be back in next week. Not a problem. No, cool. This has been the World Football Programme. I'm Sean Kelly. Um, I'll speak to you soon. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.